The Trevor Heitman case is a macabre story about a young man famous for being involved in a horrific car accident that left two innocent people dead. The crash was so intense that it left little evidence of what happened, and only through extensive investigation have authorities been able to piece together the events that led to the tragic incident. Welcome back to our channel. Today we take a deep dive into the private life of online star Trevor Heitman and his tragic self-destruction. Heitman, also known as McSkillet in the online CS, Go Gaming world, is a popular YouTube and Twitch streamer with thousands of followers. Behind his online personality, Heitman is grappling with mental health issues and a growing obsession with expensive sports cars. As more details became available about Heitman's life and mental state, a dark and unsettling picture emerged. California's beach city, San Diego, can be situated directly near to the international boundary between the United States and Mexico. This city can be found in the southwestern region of the United States. It should come as no surprise that as a result of this, San Diego is home to some very wonderful cuisine. After all, the city is known for its balmy temperature, stunning beaches, and awe-inspiring parks. We come upon the Heitman family in the picture-perfect community of Carmel Valley, where they have made their home. This narrative will center on one of their sons, Trevor Heitman, at this point. Trevor Heitman, also known as Baby McSkillet, was born on February 18, 2000 and his parents, Kurt Heitman and Beta Heitman, raised him along with his sister. He was given the nickname Baby McSkillet. We aren't privy to a great deal of information on Trevor's formative years, but his family has described him as being reserved, polite, and morally upright. And despite the fact that he was rather tall, Trevor had a shy and retiring personality. Trevor received his formal education at Loyola Country Day School when he was a child. Despite the fact that he would never play at the varsity level, he maintained an interest in basketball. Within the beginner category, he was successful enough to win many honors. When you go back at Google Street View, you'll notice that he has a basketball hoop installed in the driveway of his house. However, as we got closer and closer to the year 2015, this basketball hoop would be removed. It was anticipated that by the time Trevor reached the middle of his teenage years, his interest in video games as well as his outside basketball games with his buddies would finally come to an end. However, Trevor was beginning to earn a good reputation in other aspects of his life. He had begun playing Counter-Strike. Global Offensive often known as CS, Go, rather than displaying the name McSkillet online. Now, CS, Go is your standard first-person shooter game. But, the addition of skins to the game was one of the main selling points for Trevor when he decided to start playing CS, Go. Okay, so I'm going to ask for your patience here because this is a really significant point about this case. Skins are basically just different testphetic styles that may be applied to weapons in a game. They do not improve your performance in the game in any way, shape, or form in any way. It's purely for personal taste in terms of appearance. 
However, you were able to acquire and exchange these weapon skins with other players, which was one of the things you could do with them. The vast majority of these skins were rather common. However, a few of them were more uncommon than the rest. And in essence, this resulted in the collapse of a financial ecosystem within CS. In April of 2015, Trevor, also known as McSkillet, published the very first video of his career on YouTube. The video was titled Top 10 Most Expensive Skins in CS, Go. What is everyone doing right now? Hello, everyone. I'm McSkillet, and today I'm going to show you guys the top 10 most costly and rare skins for Counter-Strike. Global Offensive. Here we go. And while it's possible that this list isn't entirely correct simply due to the fact that there are so many different iterations of some of these knives, rest assured that I did my best to compile the most exact list I could. So, without further ado, here are the top 10 most costly and rare skins for Counter-Strike. Global Offensive Now, Trevor was an extremely bright man. At the time, YouTube simply did not have any videos of this nature available for viewing. And despite the fact that there were a lot of individuals who were interested in reskins, finding the finest ones needed a lot of time spent on manual research. It shouldn't come as a surprise that his channel on YouTube has become so popular. He had, in essence, landed himself an exceptionally favorable position in the market. His stuff was in extremely short supply, despite the fact that there was a strong demand for it. Additionally, Trevor was a young man who possessed a strong analytical mind. In addition to this, he possessed a personality that was very easy to like. Taking into account his partnerships with other creators, it is easy to see how he managed to amass approximately 1 million members. As a result, McSkillet evolved together with the CS, GO community over the course of several years. Skins eventually became an essential component of the game's ecosystem, which, of course, worked out very well for him. Trading and gambling were natural outgrowths of this development. Spending money to buy loot boxes or packages, which will, in turn, offer you random skins some of which are quite rare and will cost you a lot of money to purchase individually. McSkillet began receiving sponsorship from CS, Go Gambling websites such as CS, Go Wild and CS, Go Strong when he was 16 years old. Additionally, as his fame increased, so did their payments to him. By the year 2017, he had taken his many business endeavors to the next level. Instead of accepting sponsorship from CS, Go Gambling Sites, he made the decision to create his own. And by November of that same year, he had finished developing his third and final website, which was called CS Go Magic. McSkillet was able to drive a significant amount of traffic from his channel on YouTube to his own website, which in turn brought him a significant amount of financial success. It is believed that he generated more than $10 million from his ventures between April 2015 and December 2017, with nearly $4 million of that total coming in just the most recent 10 months alone. In the month of December in 2017, 
McSkillet flaunted his newest acquisition, a McLaren 650s. Okay, so what exactly is going on, you guys? McSkillet here with another video. However, today I thought it would be fun to try something different and simply film a movie of my everyday life. This vehicle is now legally registered to me because I've already owned it for a few months. It can't be considered my brand new vehicle in the traditional sense. However, it is true that this vehicle has a 641 it to just about any other supercar that is competing in a drag competition. And I'm not talking about hypercars here, like a Porsche 19 Spider or anything like that. To say the least, this automobile is really bonkers. It has a dual turbocharged V8 engine. Once the turbos begin to work, you will suddenly find that you have an absurd amount of power. If you're curious about how I managed to pay for this automobile, let me explain. The only source of money I had at the time to put toward the purchase was my skin trade business. When I owned that website, I sponsored gambling videos for CS. Go as well as other sponsorships that involve things like Game Flip. But the majority of my earnings came from Skin Trade because that website used to generate a lot of revenue. And then there was the money I made through gambling sponsorships, which was a respectable sum. Over the course of these three and a half years, Mick Skillet has worked his way up to become one of the most recognizable names in CS Go. He had built up a sizable town established a number of successful enterprises, and amassed a considerable amount of wealth in the process. It was safe to state that he was making fantastic progress. Additionally, Trevor maintained his fitness by working with a personal trainer at his neighborhood club, Crunch Fitness, which is also the location of the photograph that was shot on March 20, 2018. And without Trevor's knowledge at the time, he uploaded the video that would turn out to be his final contribution to YouTube. To tell you the truth, there is nothing unique about it, and it did not include any hints or fears about his impending calamity. But the fact that it was going to be his last video was due to the fact that his career was about to abruptly come to an end. McSkillet's ascent. In the midst of the debate surrounding loot boxes, during which gambling in video games was becoming a problem for people of all ages all over the world. This video was uploaded. Therefore, the fact that Valve updated their CS Go Game Guidelines on March 29, 2018, with a way to target skin gambling sites did not come as a surprise to anyone. This, of course, would result in the closure of McSkillet's very own website, which was known as CS. Go Magic. The trading of skins was still possible at this time for gamers, but only after a seven-day cooling period. In addition to these preventative steps, McSillet's personal inventory was taken away from him as a result of the links he shared with gambling bots. McSkillet had practically little chance of succeeding in any of his future undertakings due to the fact that he had a personal inventory with a value of more than $100,000 and that his company empire was virtually fully bankrupt. 
That is not to suggest that he would not have been able to restart or begin something new with his 900,000 members, but doing so would have required a significant amount of time and work on his part. In the end, McSkillet had a sense of defeat. McSkillet's approach to the latest upgrade was to fade into the background. He announced his departure from the CS Go Skin community on Twitter, where he also updated his bio. Now, McSkillet had even more reasons to rejoice than before. Even though he had lost his previous sense of purpose as well as the typical means by which he made money, he still had a significant amount of money saved up and a large community with which to construct something new. He did indeed hint at a few new projects over the course of the subsequent months, but for the most part, he faded out of existence completely. Due to the fact that Trevor is a very private man, we are not aware of the majority of the events that took place in his personal life. However, only a few short months later, Trevor would once again be in the public eye, but this time for a very different purpose. On August 18, Trevor's conduct has clearly evolved from its previous state. He confided in his parents that he believed he was going through a breakdown, and shortly after that, he started behaving in an unpredictable and irresponsible manner. In addition to this, he had really confessed to his mother that he had driven his McLaren at speeds of up to 150 miles per hour while traveling in the other direction within a zone that only permitted speeds of 25 miles per hour. When Trevor's father asked him what he thought would happen if the police had caught him, Trevor said that neither the cops nor their bullets could damage him. Trevor's father then asked him what he thought would happen if the police had captured him. After that, Trevor would later sob to his parents, stating once more that he was having a breakdown and that this problem wouldn't get any better. This would cause these worries to increase even further. Just five days later, on August 23, at around 8.13 a.m., Mary Rusher, a family friend and neighbor of the Heitzmans made an urgent call to 911. Mary was a board-certified psychiatrist with a wealth of knowledge in her area. She was concerned about Trevor's mental health and she had a lot of experience working in the industry. Hello, 911. I'm phoning to advise you that there is a critical situation. I have a strong suspicion that there is a member of the individual who poses a threat not just to others, but even to themselves. I am of the opinion that he does in fact suffer from a mental disorder and that he need to be held under a 51-50 for the purpose of additional observation. Twelve minutes after receiving this phone call, law enforcement officials arrived at the Hydman house. Trevor's parents were excitedly expecting their arrival so that they could talk to them. Who was it that purchased the vehicle for him? He made the purchase. He made the purchase. He spent millions of dollars on acquiring clarity for him. Yeah, he is a highly bright young man, despite just being 18 years old. In a span of 10 months, he made $4 million. Okay. It is his responsibility to instruct me in his ways. No, not at this time. So tell me, what is it that you want us to do? It is recommended that he undergo psychiatric testing. I mean, 
he has to fulfill certain requirements. Criteria. Despite the fact that they continued to be extremely concerned about their son's conduct, he said that he suffers from manic conduct. He's never been diagnosed. It is necessary for him to visit a physician. He ought to be detained under a 51-50. Okay, I guess. Meet requirements. He poses a threat to his own safety. What gives with that? So, if I may ask, are you, to put it simply, his psychiatrist? I am not. Have you ever seen him? I have not. In whatever kind of business environment? No. It was obvious that Trevor was experiencing some kind of mental relapse because he was now sleeping in his bedroom. He had been yelling at his parents throughout the morning, and while making irrational and delusional claims, he had even threatened to hurt his mother. He was also acting irrationally and deluded. Beta provided a description of the actions of a man who was deeply deluded. And some of those specifics, which he divulged to the cops, were cause for serious worry. Trevor was under the impression that if he drove his McLaren quickly enough in the other direction and at a high enough speed, he would be able to drive through any other car without causing any damage. Now, on a more personal level, the concept of this is highly disconcerting to me. McSkillet was a huge fan of CS, Go, and everyone who has played video games of this genre is familiar with the concept of clipping, which refers to the ability to go through virtual solid things. To add fuel to the fire, this raises the question, was Trevor equating the gaming dynamics with the actual world? It also appeared as though Trevor's sister was in the room with him and following him around despite the fact that she wasn't mentioned anywhere in the prophesy. Unfortunately, the San Diego Police Department believed that they did not have the power to hold Trevor since, to put it plainly, he had not breached any laws that were administered by them. In a video captured by a camera, Trevor's McLaren can be seen parked inside the garage. As an additional safety measure, Kurt positioned the least SUV he was driving perpendicularly across the driveway behind it in order to obstruct the exit of Trevor's McLaren. It was very evident that one of the points of disagreement in this case was the conversation that took place between Officer Trevor's parents and DR. Russia. According to the records submitted to the court, the family had appealed with law enforcement to do perch responsibilities, which stands for Psychiatric Emergency Response Team Tasks. These responsibilities include conducting an examination of a person who is in the midst of a mental health crisis and, depending on the circumstances, either referring the individual to a treatment center or transporting them there. Officers who arrived on the scene inquired with DR rush about whether or not she was Trevor's attending physician. They were informed that she was not Trevor's healthcare professional, but rather a close friend of the family. However, she maintained that in her professional view as a board-certified psychiatrist, Trevor's mental health required that the police detain him on a Section 5150 hold. This was her conclusion based on her assessment of Trevor's condition.
The Welfare and Institutions Code of California permits for an adult who is experiencing a mental health crisis to be involuntarily held for a period of psychiatric hospitalization lasting for a period of up to 72 hours. This is obviously only the case if they are assessed using something like PERT and found to be a threat to themselves or others, or if they have a severe disability. Now, in spite of the group's reasonable pleadings for aid in DR, Rish's expert opinion, the cops have continued to refuse to enter the residence to do an evaluation. And instead of carrying out these responsibilities, they proposed that she should be beaten, that she should remain out of her own house until she could legally evict Trevor by seeking a civil restraining order, and that she should stay away from her own residence. In addition, the police mentioned that this procedure would take roughly one month to complete. After reaching a consensus, Kurt and Dior, Russia proceeded to enter Trevor's bedroom. In spite of this, Trevor started yelling at Dior. Rush, his jaw hanging wide open as he did so. He started making noises that were unintelligible, and then he lunged at her and insulted her once again. Officers said that they were unable to carry out their statutory responsibilities or arrest Trevor into jail since he was not suspected of having committed any crimes at the time. Having the realization that the intervention would not be taking place. Before letting the Heitman family go in good faith, the police were given an opportunity to express their gratitude for the officer's time. The cops were told by Kurt that he would take his son Trevor to the hospital later that day and it appears that Trevor was even on board with this plan. The cops looked at each other, nodded, and then left without taking any more action. And regrettably, as a result of the absence of action by cops or, for that matter, anybody else, this would lead to terrible results. You it. At roughly 4.15 o'clock in the evening, Trevor Heitman burst out of his bedroom and informed his parents that he needed to go before they could respond in any way. In an effort to escape out of the driveway, he climbed behind the wheel of his McLaren and crashed into the SUV that belonged to his father. After just a few minutes had passed, at around 4.23 o'clock in the afternoon, he crashed his McLaren through the fence that surrounded Ashley Falls Elementary School. After that, he continued to drive dangerously in the school parking lot and the surrounding area. You are aware that you are now driving in a school zone, correct? After then, it is reported that Trevor exited the truck, shattered a window, and then went back to his vehicle. After which, he was challenged by members of the school's personnel. What was it you just heard him say? Have you seen that from the previous year? There's obviously something wrong with him. Because of the time of year, it was a blessing that school was not in session at the moment. Nevertheless, one can still observe youngsters fleeing in order to avoid coming into contact with his car. He is going to return. He is going to return. How is it going? You now have a nut job on your campus who is driving around in a sports car and chasing after the students. I mean, that person is a complete lunatic. Put in a call to 911 immediately away. After that, Trevor forced his way out of the school using various objects. Oh, by 4.30 o'clock in the afternoon, 
Trevor had made it to the southbound lane of the I-5 highway, where he was subsequently involved in a hit-and-run accident. And despite the fact that nobody suffered significant injuries as a result of the occurrence, it nonetheless left a lot of other people shaken. It was verified at 4.31 p.m. that Trevor's father, Kurt, contacted 911, according to the police dispatch files. He stated that Trevor was acting irrationally when he caused damage to both his vehicle and his own, then ran away from the property. He emphasized once more that Trevor was in desperate need of assistance. And just six minutes after that, all of Kurt's worst fears came to fruition in the form of a full-blown reality. Around 4.35 in the afternoon, Trevor Heitman took an exit tramp off the 805 highway and proceeded to go in the incorrect direction up the ramp. Because of the height, oncoming vehicles were unable to see Trevor's McLaren when he was driving his sports car at speeds of up to 100 miles per hour. The repercussions of even a minor error in judgment would be significant. As he approached Junction 27, he was now barreling into the oncoming traffic at speeds greater than 100 miles per hour. Given the magnitude of the risk and the perilous nature of the situation, it seems unlikely that he will get very far. At around 4.36 in the evening, Trevor's McLaren collided head-on with a high and ISUV. This crash put an end to Trevor's life immediately. Due to the extreme intensity of the collision, his torso was severed by the seat belt, and many of his body parts were flung out of the vehicle and onto the highway. Sadly, things only get worse from here on out. Two innocent persons, who are now the victims of Trevor's own acts as a result of his reckless driving, were riding as passengers in the high and I SUV that Trevor had crashed with. Eileen Pizarro, a kind mother in her 40s who was guiding her daughter, who was then 12 years old, when they were both tragically killed in a car accident. Eileen's family was very nurturing and loving toward her throughout her childhood. As a family therapist, she helped children who had been mistreated in the past by offering them support and direction. Her child referred to her as a selfless mother who always placed the needs of her family ahead of her own. And at the time of her passing, she was in the process of getting her license to practice as a therapist, which is something to keep in mind for the future. But in addition to that, she was a tremendous Dwayne Johnson fan. And unfortunately, Eileen's two boys will have to ride in the passenger seat with their mother. Ariana who was just 12 years old and the mother's daughter, was the youngest person to pass away. Due to the fact that she was born in 2006, she was only a few days away from beginning the seventh grade. Ariana referred to herself as a genius on several occasions. Reading and listening to music were two of her favorite hobbies, but above all things, she cherished her time spent singing. She was a regular performer at several local Santa Monica community gatherings, either with her brothers or on her own. Her name was well known across the community, but tragically, she is no longer around to spread it. The findings of the autopsy on Trevor's body indicate that he did not have any traces of alcohol or narcotics in his system at the time of his passing. There is no evidence that he has ever been diagnosed with a mental condition 
nor is there any evidence that he has ever had suicidal thoughts or attempted suicide in the past. In addition to this, Trevor was a straight shooter. It was well knowledge that he did not smoke cigarettes, take illicit substances, or even drink alcohol. In addition, there was no message suggesting that the person had intended to commit suicide. The activities that he took first left the law enforcement personnel investigating this case perplexed. From the beginning, there was neither a clear motive nor an evident contributing component, and it is only natural that this would give rise to conjecture. As soon as people across the world found out about McSkillet's passing and the two lives that he had taken with him, public opinion towards his acts began to swiftly become heated and polarized. In point of fact, McSkillet evolved into a very reviled person. Not hundreds, but tens of thousands of comments can be found all over his films, and the vast majority of them portray him as a cold-blooded killer who should have just ended his own life in private. A closer examination of the evidence presented in court, however, reveals a very different explanation for his actions than what was initially apparent. It was not about suicidal thoughts that he was calling out to his parents. He was inconsolable because of a nervous breakdown. And his ultimate acts are a reflection of the false notions that he had in the past. Trevor Heitman did not want to die. Instead, he was under the impression that he could weave around the other vehicles without causing any trouble. And despite the fact that his whole business empire had been destroyed, he was a very level-headed young man who still had a lot of money to assist him in getting his firm back up and running. In the end, we can't say for certain what he was thinking, but there is no evidence to imply that he intended to take his own life in any way. In point of fact, the report of the medical examiner indicated that there was a possibility that he was suffering from mania, the same ailment that was informally diagnosed by his board-certified neighbor. Mania is a psychiatric disorder that causes a person to experience unjustified exhilaration, highly strong moods, hyperactivity, and delusions. Mania can also force a person to act in ways that are inconsistent with their beliefs. Manic patients have an increased likelihood of having hallucinations and other forms of perceptual distortions, and they may even engage in actions that are more hazardous to themselves and others. Because of these views, it is quite possible that either Trevor Heitman or McSkillet was going through this mania. Mania may be brought on by a wide variety of occurrences, including changes in one's surroundings, such as traumatic experiences or financial strain, as well as hormonal or chemical imbalances. A significant amount of pressure was being applied to McSkillet. He had built up a multi-tiered multi-million dollar business empire by the time he was just 18 years old, but it was all coming crashing down around him at this point. A young man who had put in a lot of effort and was brilliant could have found it simple to ride the highs, but the fear of losing everything would have certainly been too much for his immature mind to handle. McSkillet was on the verge of a major catastrophe, and anxiety may have a significant effect in both the actions you take and the judgments you make. Nevertheless, his acts are completely unacceptable and cannot be justified in any way.
Medical intervention should have taken place a lot sooner, and it should not have mattered who initiated it or why. It should have been him, his parents, or the authorities. The true victims of today's case are those who have suffered as a direct consequence. In what seemed like the blink of an eye, Eileen and Ariana Pizarro both lost their lives. They were helpless and had no choice in the matter of their fate. One moment it was just like any other day, and the very next, they were no longer alive. Even though that period of time didn't last very long, the amount of fear that they must have felt when they saw a car speeding towards them is incomprehensible. And after this particular instant, the Pizarro family will never again be the same. Many unfulfilled goals and commitments are left in the wake of a gifted daughter and a mother who love deeply. In response to the uproar from people all over the world, the actor Dwayne Johnson, whom Eileen adored, said that he will keep the Pizarro family in his thoughts and prayers. Hey, Angelo. This is Dwayne Johnson, by the way. After turning on my phone, I noticed that there was a deluge. There were thousands upon thousands of tweets that had been received. I just wanted to say thank you for reaching out, Guy, and my most condolences on hearing about your sister and your mother as well as the horrible loss that you and your family are going through at this time. As a result of their deaths, multiple lawsuits have transformed this situation into a legal conflict in which the city of San Diego holds Trevor's parents accountable for their failure to intervene sooner. His parents are upset with the city police department because they feel their concerns were not taken enough seriously. Obviously, legal action has been taken against both of these individuals by the Pizarro family. Whereas they are now seeking justice for the irreplaceable loss they have suffered, it required a lot of digging and personal study on my part to solve this case, and a lot of the material that I needed isn't readily available. To tell you the truth, I do not believe that a very large number of people completely comprehend the tale of Trevor Heitman. Although the media may have conducted research on this case in the immediate aftermath of the incident, both the passage of time and the paperwork from the court have provided greater clarity to McSkillet's case and the entire situation. Even while I'm not here to influence your judgment, I do hope that the results of my investigation will shed more light on a situation that has been shrouded in mystery up until this point. In the end, it was determined that Trevor Hyman's case was an accident. Despite the fact that there was no evidence to suggest that he slowed down or steered away from oncoming vehicles, many people believe that this incident should be investigated as a murder of at least the second degree or, at the absolute least, as a case of manslaughter. I have no choice but to concur with you that it is not sufficient to refer to this incident as an accident. However, because there is no evidence that McSkillet behaved maliciously, it is difficult to determine where this issue stands legally. In conclusion, one of the most horrifying elements of this case is the evidence that was left behind on Google Maps. Before this terrible incident, the street photographs on Google Maps did not resemble anything noteworthy in any way. These photographs, which were shot after the event, show a road that has been scorched, a visible scar and a ghastly reminder of the dreadful crimes that Trevor Heitman committed.
Even in this day and age, it is not difficult to pinpoint the precise site in which three people were killed. Till this very day, Trevor Heitman's McSkillet channel on YouTube is still active and uploading new content for viewers to enjoy. We appreciate your participation in our investigation today. If you found this case intriguing or if you unearthed any new insights, then make sure to give us a like and subscribe if you haven't already. So, what is your take on the McSkillet case as a whole? I understand that this narrative may deviate from our usual content, but did it unsettle you in any way? Please share your thoughts in the comments section below. We implore you to remain vigilant until our next encounter. Our gratitude goes out to all those who have tuned in, and rest assured that we will return shortly with another enthralling case. Thank you and goodbye.